Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. I'm your host, Will Huntsaker, and today I would ask you to please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And this will be our final episode for season four. So we have reached the midpoint here of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where he has been magnifying the grace of God through several Christian principles, God's election, uniting his chosen through the son's blood, his gifts of salvation and faith. And now Paul will offer a a very sincere and heartfelt, actually, doxology or praise to God. So from the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. What a fitting conclusion, really, to the first three chapters of this epistle. This This points directly to the core of of God's grace. Paul says, to him be the glory. We far too often get tied up in our thoughts and deeds, focused on how we can do more to be better Christians, that we forget the one overriding principle that reverberates all through the pages of Scripture. To him be the glory. And Paul begins his praise of God by stating that he is able to do far more. The question then automatically comes to mind, well, how much more? I mean, it's just a a natural process in, in, in our thoughts. How much more? Well, at the beginning of verse 20, Paul says, beyond all we ask. Well, when do we ask for these things? Well, we ask in prayer. And the reason God is able to go beyond what we ask is a fundamental Christian principle. The reason for that, he's transcendent. God is transcendent. So he's separate from all he created, and thereby he's able to do anything. Now, here, Paul is not giving assurance that God will provide all that we ask in abundance. He states that God is able to. Very distinct point there. In addition, the ability to do things beyond all we ask could just as quickly be to deny what we think we need. But Paul does not stop there. He adds beyond all that we ask or think. So Paul, Paul's point here is that God does not limit himself only to what we ask. He who is before the beginning of all things sees the scope of our lives all at once and is able to abundantly provide all that we need in accordance with his will, not ours. But how will God do more? There's another question that automatically progresses. How will he do more? Well, Paul answers that according to the power that works within us. That's the end of verse 20. So what power is that? Is it my power? Do I have the power to influence what God does? Well, some teachers in the Christian community would tell you yes, but the biblical answer 
is a resounding no. The power that works within us is his. All believers are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 1.13. Believers are indwelt by the third person of the triune God, and it is his power that is an expression of his sovereignty. So how is God able to do more? Because he alone is God. And this happens on a very personal level because he works within us. It's not us working. It's his working within us. Very, very critical point. Now, this is the same concept of the imputation of Christ's righteousness. It's very, very similar. Well, it's the same. So the imputation of Christ's righteousness to believers comes at salvation. It's the ordo salutis, the order of salvation. Many mistake this as this righteousness as an infusion of righteousness, whereby righteous behavior for us becomes inherent. The righteousness we receive is alien to us, much like the power that works within us. It's alien to us. This is why it is imputed. It is transferred, not infused. Very distinct difference here. It sounds like a, just a nuance of words, but it becomes a very critical point. We are not righteous and never will be this side of glory. God only sees us that way through Christ's work. I mean, there's tons of references there. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Um, Philippians 3, 9, you got Romans 3 and 4, the, the whole chapter really addressed that, and a host of others. The same is true with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we're getting a parallel here, that in, in imputation of righteousness is the same with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't become inherent to us. Power is not inherently given to us. It is always the work of God and never our own. We would be very, very smart, and it would be profitable for us to remember that. That's why Paul says, according to the power that works within us, not, the, not our power, the power that works within us. This is the same power that causes the sun to explode on another side of the galaxy, while at the same time here on Earth, that same power suspends a hummingbird in the air. That's the power we're talking about. That's the magnitude of it. And we think mistakenly that we are able to do anything. No, it is God who is able. And he enables us through the power that works within us. What then is our response to this? Well, Paul tells us, verse 21, he says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Again, verse 21. That's our response. Our response is praise. That is what is due. Paul is not Im- does not imply here it is due to remain right with God. We don't praise to remain right with God. This letter is all about God's grace. Anything we do is out of gratitude for what has been done. Not to earn anything. Folks, Jesus and the apostles taught that believers are expected to praise God and be obedient, but not for merit, only for thankfulness and gratitude. 
So where should this praise be evident? Where should we see this praise? Well, this praise is due in a church. It should be evident in the church because the church is the body of Christ. Paul says that. It should be in the church and Jesus Christ. And because the church is the body of Christ, it's a vehicle that God has chosen to use to accomplish his purpose here and for all eternity. Our praise should be seen in a church. Earlier, Paul, Paul depicted the church as living stones built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. No matter what believers achieve or bring about through the church, it's only because God's grace enabled them to do so. Again, very critical point that would be profitable for us to remember. The church, the work of the church, the praise in the church, everything about the church only comes about because God's grace enabled them to do so. And this praise and glory are also due to Jesus Christ. I mean, that one's pretty obvious. This is, in essence, the greatest example of how God will do more through the glory of Christ. God has done everything necessary through Christ, far more than we could ever ask or think of. He's already done through Christ. So our praise is very, very needed there. For the believer, everything has already been done. There is nothing more we can do. So we rest in Christ. So how long? Will the praise and glory in Christ continue? Well, Paul says in verse 21, at the end of his doxology, he says forever. It will be in perpetuity. The praise and glory in Christ will continue forever. To that, we should all say amen. Folks, God can do immeasurably more than he has already done and more than we can ever even imagine. For this, he is due our unending praise. Thank you for listening. And this ends the first half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Again, we deeply appreciate you joining us on this journey and hope that you will continue with us as we move forward into season five and the second half of Ephesians that will be coming very soon. Grace and peace to you all and remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then. <laughs>